Well, welcome to this edition of the Black Madonna Speaks with me, your host, Stephanie Georgieff. Thank you so much for spending your valuable time with me. And before we get started, I want to make a special shout out to my Patreon supporters, my one-time donors, and to those who subscribe, share, and like this podcast. I could not do it without your financial and moral support. For those of you who would like to be a Patreon supporter, there's information and a link in the program notes. The day this episode is posting is International Women's Day. March is also Women's History Month. International Women's Day began in the early 1900s and is actually more popular in Eastern European countries. The main guiding inspiration for Women's Day is to commemorate the accomplishments of women, but also to encourage a world free of bias, stereotypes, and discrimination. A world that's diverse, equitable, and inclusive, and a world where difference is valued and celebrated. International Women's Day is an opportunity to celebrate women's achievements. When I was in the Peace Corps in Albania, International Women's Day was also considered a holiday for teachers. There were special celebrations, and the teachers were given the day off where they went out to celebrate, say, at a restaurant or a spa or a resort. And women and men, in the spirit of International Women's Day, who were teachers, were honored equally. Now, in the spirit of women's history, there's this really interesting author from medieval times, and it's a woman named Christine de Pizan, and she lived from 1364 through 1430. She's quite the historical figure because she supported herself as a writer under her own name. This was more than unusual for a woman of her era. The period of history during Pizan's time in Western Europe, culture was coming out of some very challenging times, actually a bit similar to our modern times. There was the Hundred Years' War, the Black Plague, church schisms, and political upheaval. Sound a little familiar? What seems to happen during times of great chaos is that humans embrace conservatism and fundamentalism as a way to make sense of very confusing times and also in hope of calming things down during times of great chaos. A major cultural influence of Christine de Pizan's day was this misogynic poem called The Romance of the Rose. This poem blamed women for all the sorrows of the world and stated that women had no intrinsic value. Of course, The Romance of the Rose became quite popular in culture at that time. Christine de Pizan, being a literary figure of the day, she was actually a French chronicler for Charles V. She wrote a book called The Book of the City of Ladies to counter the misogyny of the Romance of the Rose. In The Book of the City of Ladies, Pizan takes each point made in the poem 
and counters it with a story of either historical or religious or mythological woman to show that the romance of the rose was wrong about women. The highlight of this really treasure book, it's just a treasure and I highly recommend reading it, is that the ultimate proof that women have value, according to Pizan, was the Virgin Mary. Pizan said the fact that Christ was born of a woman showed that God thinks very highly of women. And if it were not for women, a woman Mary specifically, there would not have been the salvation of humanity. For this episode, in honor of Women's Day and Women's History Month, we're going to look at a historical figure who is also a spiritual guide for billions of the world's Christians, the Virgin Mary. We're going to take a bit of a different perspective on Mary, as there's so much information, traditions, and rituals surrounding this figure that inspires so many amazing works of art. As I was looking for books to research for my upcoming lecture series in Namibia in September, I was utterly delighted to discover a newly published book, The Marian Way of Heart Knowledge, from Mary through St. John's Gospel to Rudolf Steiner's Philosophy of Freedom. Definition of a split second was the time it took me to finish reading the title and clicking on purchase. I also thought that the author Neil Riley would be quite a contribution to my featured Madonna creator interview of the month. I contacted Steiner Books to see if I could request an author interview, and the rest, they say, is history. Neil Riley was born and raised on Long Island. Neil is what we might call a cradle Catholic, in that he was part of a large Irish Catholic family who was very dedicated to practicing their faith and being educated in Catholic schools. Neil is also a very dedicated anthroposophist. He graduated from Bodine College with a BA in philosophy and from the Waldorf Institute at Adelphi University with an MA in Waldorf pedagogy. Neil taught high school English for seven years at the Kimberton and Garden City Waldorf schools and at a Catholic high school and coached basketball, track, and lacrosse. He also directed plays. After teaching, he worked as a salesperson at Merrill Lynch, Lehman Brothers, Jeffries and Company, and numerous financial technology firms, including, and I have no idea what this stands for, but EJV, Neon, and Tibco. Neil is married to the love of his life and has two children. Riley is also the author of Songs and Dreams by Seeking We Are Found. So welcome, Neil. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. You have brought together some really interesting streams in this amazing book. And the first thing I want to ask you, uh, obviously, because the first, the first 
stream that you bring in is the Marian Way. I would love my listeners to hear about how the Virgin Mary has influenced you throughout your life. How much time do we have? Well, we have as much time as you want. (laughs) Okay, so I'll I'll give you a little history. Okay. And I was born literally in a hospital named Mary Immaculate. Oh, wow. (laughs) Jamaica, Queens. All right. That's the beginning. Okay. And then when I was three years old, my parents wanted their children to go to Catholic school from kindergarten through 12th grade. So they moved to a town on Long Island. Uh, the parish was St. Mary's. Oh. And we, we, we bought a house right next to the boys' high school, about 100 yards away, about another 150 yards to the church, mm-hmm. about another 150 yards to the grammar school and the girls' high school. Mm. So I literally grew up in the St. Mary's parish neighborhood. Oh, my goodness. Literally. Wow. So every day I'd go to school. And on Sundays, I go to church. And the St. Mary's Church was absolutely beautiful. It is. I've been going to it for close to 70 years. And it has beautiful, beautiful stained glass windows of all the classic moments in Mary's life. Mm. And also has beautiful statues. But in the middle of the church, right above the altar, is this astounding statue on a chain of Christ and the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. And Mary and John at his side. Oh, wow. Wow. So no matter where you go in the church, that's what you behold. Wow. Wow. Absolutely behold. And it's the moment, I believe, I don't know this for a fact, but it's the moment I think Christ has just stated, it is accomplished. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's gone. Mm -hmm. But behind his head is a sunrise. Mm. Resurrection has already begun. Oh, wow. Wow. But there are Mary and John mm. right there. Right. And so my whole life, I've been, you know, always at this altar and with these images. And so in a certain sense, it would almost be ludicrous mm-hmm. if I didn't. Mary's statement has always been with me. Mm-hmm. Mary pondered all these matters in her heart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she said that after the shepherds came to her right. and told what the what the angel told them right. that go that the Christ is born. Wow. Wow. That's where that statement comes from. Right. And these shepherds come and go, you won't believe we heard this from the angel. We wanted to come see. Yeah. And can you imagine being married just after delivering this child and right. hearing these shepherds whom she doesn't know? Right. And they put the statement that. You just gave birth to the Messiah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I would be, I don't know if I would ponder. I would go, what? <laughs> so it's, you know, one of the key themes throughout the book is to behold. Mm-hmm. And I think, it, or another way that Christ says it is, seek and you shall find. Right, yeah. But behold is a very important experience. It's mm-hmm. an epiphany. Mm-hmm. And in Revelation, mm-hmm. Christ says, Behold, I make all things new. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This word behold is interesting because it's, think about it, it's be mm-hmm. and hold. Right. So you're being and you're holding. Right. And think about all these images we have of Mary where she's beholding Christ. Wow. Yeah. And 
the beautiful ones that I put in the book are, and I think they're sacred images because you can enter into them. Right. The very front is the incarnation of the logos and it's the Sistine Madonna right. where Mary is holding mm-hmm. Christ, but she's really presenting him to the world. Right, right. An amazing gesture. Yeah. And in the back of the book, I put the incredible Pieta, mm-hmm. which is again holding him, right. but now it's the excarnated Christ right. and it's just his body. Right. But she's presenting it to the world again. Yeah. She's showing this is... This is my son. Yeah. This is the body where the Messiah was. It's it's just so I think we have to behold Mary. And there's a there's a great statement. Uh, sorry to get Latin on you, mm, but that's okay. Goes, Omnia ad Jesu mm-hmm. per Mary. Mm-hmm. Omnia ad Jesu per Mary. It's all to Jesus through Mary. Oh, I have never heard that. That is beautiful. Wow. Yeah. And that was the model of my school that I went to. Huh. And I almost I almost put it in the book, but I went, you know, this is a very Catholic book, and if I put Latin in, it'll turn some people off, so <laughs> I'm not going to do it. But uh, since the people on your podcast, I think, have an affinity towards Mary, mm-hmm. I think it's okay to do it. So yeah. when we look at Mary, I think that it's just, we have to constant, constantly, and, you know, going back to your question about about what, where did this idea come from the book? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not my idea. It's as simple as that. Okay. I just, it's sort of like there's a beautiful rock out in my garden and I never noticed it for 20 years. Then I trip over it and I go, how did I miss that beautiful rock? <laughs> <laughs> how could it be that I never saw that? <laughs> yeah. So Mary, the, 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 the quotation that always got me was the next to last statement by Christ on the cross mm-hmm. is woman, behold thy son, yeah. son, behold thy mother. Right. Right. And then the next statement is, and the disciple took her into her home. Right. And so for decades, I've thought, what would it be like yeah. to have Mary in your home? Your John, my goodness. And who knew Christ better than Mary? Right. No one. Right. Who knows her better now? No one. Right. So it came to me that if that was correct, mm-hmm. and there are all sorts of legends that literally say John took her all the way to Ephesus. Right. And li- live with her. And there's actually a, a home in yeah. Ephesus. Yeah. They believe is the Mary home. Right. But I visited. It's amazing. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. And the story behind it is this German mystic nun, Anne Catherine Emmerich. Right. Had these amazing insights into Christ and the crucifixion and the resurrection. And she also stated, by the way, Mary did go to Ephesus and her house is in this spot on the hill. Mm-hmm. And two Catholic archaeologists went there a hundred years later and they said, remember what she said? And they excavated and they found this home that was two, close to 2,000 years old. Yeah. And it's an amazing site. Right. It's and absolutely- it, it was exactly as she had described it. That's exactly. what I think is so interesting. And, and when people... When people say, oh, you know, that's fantasy or imagination, and then these things happen where they're completely as somebody who had never been there, who died 200 years before, and they found it. It's it's really, it's hard to dismiss that. I think. Right. It at least begs the question. That, that's, that's a quick overview of the book and how it came about and, mm-hmm. and the ponderings, you know, and, and I think we all have to ponder in our heart 
and, and, and it's, you know, it's the intellect is great. It's right. wonderful. Modern right. science is fantastic. Oh, yes. Love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have an artificial knee. I wouldn't be able to walk if I didn't have it. Right, it's right. astounding to me that they do that. Right. However, if you limit yourself just to that, right. life is rather one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. And I think what Mary constantly brings is there's much more. Right. She says yes to the spirit. Right. I mean, imagine what she did when, the, you know, the angel made this announcement to her. Mm-hmm. But she could have said no. You know, you're the only other person that I know that has that insight. And I've often said that she could have said no. And certain people, oh, she would have never done. How do you know that? She could have said no. She could yep. have. And she didn't. And I'm very grateful. But it, it's it's another it's another mystery and also a template for the highest capacities in, in human beings. Definitely. The whole point is yes. Yeah, it is. Yes, freedom. Could I, is it all right? Could sure. I read you that poem about the Annunciation? I think it's beautiful. Please do. Okay. So this is a poem by Denise Levertov. And uh, its title is The Annunciation. Mm-hmm. And the subtitle is Hail, Space for the Uncontained God. Mm-hmm. From the Agostos hymn, Greece, 6th century. Mm-hmm. We know the scene, the room, variously furnished, almost always a lectern, a book, always the tall lily. Arrived on solemn grandeur of great wings, the angelic ambassador, standing or hovering, whom she acknowledges, a guest. But we are told of meek obedience. No one mentions courage. The engendering spirit did not enter her without consent. God waited. She was free to accept or to refuse Mm -hmm. choice integral to humanness. Aren't there enunciations of one sort or another in most lives? Some unwillingly undertake great destinies and act them in sullen pride, uncomprehending. More often those moments when roads of light and storm open from darkness in a man or a woman are turned away from, in dread, in a wave of weakness, in despair, and with relief. Ordinary lives continue. God does not smite them, but the gate closes, the pathway vanishes. She had been a child who played, ate, slept like any other child, but unlike others, wept only for pity, laughed in joy, not triumph. Compassion intelligence fused in her, indivisible. Call to a destiny more momentous than any and all of time, she did not quail, only asked a simple, how can this be? Hmm. And gravely, courteously took to heart the angel's reply, the astounding ministry she was offered to bear in her womb infinite weight and lightness to carry in hidden finite inwardness nine months of eternity to contain in slender vase of being the sum of power in narrow flesh the sum of light then bring to birth push out into air a man child needing like any other 
milk and love. But who was God? This was the moment no one speaks of when she could still refuse. A breath unbreathed, spirit suspended, waiting. She did not cry, I cannot, I am not worthy, nor I have not the strength. She did not submit with gritted teeth, raging, coerced. Bravest of all humans, consent illumined her. The room filled with its light. The lily glowed in it and the iridescent wings. Consent, courage unparalleled, opened her utterly. That's so beautiful. So beautiful. It's almost like we need some sort of instrumental before we start talking. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's so profound. Now, it, it, it's a sacred image, isn't it? It really is. It really is. I, I have a friend when I was living in Napa, California, I was attending this really sweet church there. And I developed a really lovely friendship with this one woman. And she was just totally fascinated with the Annunciation. And she was actually trying to get a book together of all these different pictures of the Annunciation. And I house sat for her once and I was really enjoying all of her pictures of the Annunciation. It's just a very sweet, sweet image. Very sweet. Well, right before this poem in the book, I actually put one of my favorite paintings by Fra Angelico mm -hmm. of the Annunciation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it literally has everything in it. Right. It has Father, the right. Son, the Holy Spirit. Right. It has Adam and Eve. Right. It has the angel, it has Mary. Right. It's astounding. And they're, they're intimately connected, the two. Well, and it, at that moment, you know, something that I've always found really fascinating about the Incarnation in general was all the preparation that was for that. You know, there is such a preparation for the Annunciation. And this image that you're talking about, this picture, it really brings that all together. It's basically showing the prep work, you know, the, the, the briefings for this entire event. Now and It shows the problem and it shows the solution. Right. It shows Adam and Eve exactly. leaving the garden. Right. And then it shows the hands of God mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit going directly to Mary's heart. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's, it's very beautiful. Say the name of the book again, which is such okay. an amazing name. It's called The Marian Way of Heart Knowledge from Mary through St. John's Gospel to Rudolf Steiner's Philosophy of Freedom. Now, something that I learned by reading your book is this concept of heart knowledge. And do, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I, I think it goes back to uh, Mary pondered all these matters in her heart, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not her head. Mm -hmm. You know, we have this silly concept that thoughts are uh, the results of synapses firing in the brain. Yeah. Okay. How do you explain beauty, truth, and goodness right. if you think that? Right. It doesn't, doesn't work. So, yes, the human brain is important. Mm -hmm. It's very important. Mm -hmm. But it's where thinking is manifest. Right. That's And that's really important. You have right. to have a good mirror. Right. And the brain is really important for that. Mm -hmm. But the thinking itself is a spiritual endeavor. <clears throat> and that is one of Steiner's brilliant insights mm -hmm. in all his works, Philosophy of Freedom, and also a great title, The Redemption of Thinking. Yeah. I think I love that title, The Redemption mm -hmm. of Thinking. Right. So this heart knowledge 
is uh, constant throughout ancient literature. Uh, and, you know, and, uh, you know, Solomon asked for wisdom uh, of the heart, and God gave it to him. Mm-hmm. And and so the ability to think in a more complete manner, mm-hmm. not and again, the intellect's very important. I mm-hmm. I completely believe in cause and effect on a physical level mm-hmm. and logical and clear. If you look at it all, it's just the you have to get the entire experience. Mm-hmm. And the entire experience and interesting in Steiner's philosophy of freedom, everyone thinks this is a Germanic text of philosophy, which is true, mm-hmm. but it's actually an experience. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you go through the philosophy of freedom, which he regards as his most important work, mm-hmm. it's cathartic. Mm-hmm. Go through, it's painful. It's the reason people don't read it. Right. It's hard mm-hmm. and it's demanding. Mm-hmm. And you really got to be present. Who went through more catharsis than Mary? Yes. Right. Imagine seeing your son scourged, crucified, being destroyed, tortured. Yeah. But that catharsis is critical to birth, resurrection, etc. Right. We go through death mm-hmm. to eternity. Mm-hmm. So this heart knowledge is how do I combine Loving and knowing mm-hmm. and doing mm-hmm. all have to be combined. Wow. And if I may uh, read from Steiner, sure. this is where he ends up. Mm-hmm. Only when I follow my love for my objective, it is I myself who act. I act at this level of morality, not because I acknowledge a Lord over me or an external authority or a so-called inner voice. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge no external principle for my action. Because I have found in myself the ground for my own action, namely my love of the action. Mm-hmm. I do not work out mentally whether my action is good or bad. Mm-hmm. I carry it out because I love it. Mm. That's so great. That's the whole point of the philosophy of freedom. Right. So, so for people that are daunted, they can do that sentence and they'll be fine, right? <laughs> If they get that, they're good. Okay. You know, good. It's, it's you know just, it's just like you could you could read all St. John's Gospel and right. all St. John, right. and the final analysis says, says God is love. Yes. Bing. Yes. You know, as you were as I was reading the book, but also listening to you talk, there's this really interesting um, research center in California called the Heart Math Institute. And what they have done is studied how people think. And what they found is that the heart perceives before the brain. Wow. So we actually know in our hearts before our brains even register. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so unbelievably powerful. And as you are talking, and as I re- actually read the book, it that probably was part of her pondering, especially during the Annunciation, when she's presented with this unimaginable, you know, opportunity and question. But her heart said yes before she could really think about it. I mean, sort of thought about it, like, how can this be? Like, how can this be? 
And um, so I think that's really amazing. And I also really appreciate you reading that quote. That's really amazing. Now, you obviously have had this amazing lifelong thread of Mary. You, you told me even in your, when you were playing basketball, (laughs) Mary was on your, on your uh, jersey. Yeah, it was was actually, it was actually track. Okay. We had the name of the school, St. Mary. Okay. So little hard chest was St. Mary. (laughs) So she was just everywhere. This was everywhere. Do you, have you had some experiences with heart knowledge? You know, I think we all do. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that we all encounter love, you know, for our spouses, our children. And it's just, it's, we have to behold it ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, Mother Teresa had a great statement. You know, you don't have to go to Calcutta, you know, just love, love your own family. Right. Just do that. That'd be great. Yeah. And everyone has problematic relations with families. Yes. I don't know any family that doesn't have you know, the wacky uncle or the cousin or whatever. Right. And we're all imperfect. We're all, right. we're all sinners. Right. But we're also all saints. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I would, I would say that Mary, you know, is a constant influence in all our lives. Mm-hmm. We, again, have to behold it. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and, and literally in our own life. And then also, I think it's good to look at these sacred images of Raphael on the Madonna mm-hmm. and Michelangelo on the Pieta and Farangelico, mm-hmm. but also at least consider some of these manifestations of Mary mm-hmm. who constantly loves us and wants to help us. Right. So you look at things that just don't make sense. Right. Lords, right. Fatima, right. Medjugorje, right. and Guadalupe. Right. They don't make logical sense. And I can see why people say that's, that doesn't make any sense because yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Right. Well, then you have to go, well, it doesn't make any sense. Steiner has a great term in philosophy of freedom, mm-hmm. unprejudiced observation. Mm-hmm. It's the core of science. The first thing you have to do is observe. Right. Well, Christ would say, you know, seek See. or look uh-huh. or behold. Right. You got to just be, look. Right. And so how does Guadalupe, let's just look at that for a minute. Yeah. How could a peasant who didn't know anything about what he was doing, end up, I'm going to give the short version of the story, mm-hmm. taking these roses that don't grow in the winter to the bishop who didn't believe him mm-hmm. uh, to prove that it was the Virgin Mary speaking to him. Mm-hmm. And when he unfolds his tilma, there's this image right. that no one can understand right. of the Virgin Mary. Right. And it lasts 500 years. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make rational sense. No, it doesn't. So at least you have to look at it and go, I, and ponder it in your heart. Right. You know, how, how can that be? Yeah. That she loves us so much and that Christ loves us so much that yeah. they're constantly making themselves available to us. Mm-hmm. But again, out of freedom. Right. We have to seek. Exactly. And, and we also have to choose as well. Yeah. Out of freedom. Now, that's also a wonderful theme that you also have in your book. You have a lot of the stories of these apparitions of Mary, Mm -hmm. which are a lot. There seems to be a whole bunch of them in in recent times. And that's that's very interesting to me. And it actually, from what I can understand, 
and there are certain exceptions, but really, um, Guadalupe really kind of started the whole thing, you know, where this image happened. And, you know, and then you, you read about a lot of these other instances of apparitions of Mary. Why did you feel that that was important to put in your book? Uh, because I think it's, again, important to to look really in a very thorough manner at all aspects of what's happening in our world. Mm -hmm. And at the very, you know, it almost goes back to Mary's statement. How can this be? Right. I mean, it's a really honest, classic statement. Right, right. How can this be? How can Guadalupe, how can, how can that be? Right. I mean, exactly. I mean, Joan of Arc. How the heck could that be, Joan of Arc? Yeah. How, how could some 14-year-old girl say, you know what? I've had a vision, and I'm supposed to lead the French forces to, to beat the English. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it makes no sense. Right. Imagine if some young girl out of Oklahoma, 14-year-old girl in, the, in World War II said, you know what? I had a vision. I know how to beat Hitler. Right. So put me at the, the head of the army. Right. And let's go. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, it doesn't make sense. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. So we, we, we hit these things, you know, the, the Eastern call them cones. Mm -hmm. We can call them mysteries. Mm -hmm. We should ponder them. Mm -hmm. And we're giving these great artists, the Raphaels, the Frangelicos, who give us these images that we can enter into. Right. We're also given these moments by Mary and Mikael and... Mm -hmm. They just keep on coming. They're just, we, we'd almost have to be willfully ignore them. Yes. And deny right. Christ right. and the spiritual world. Right. And Steiner said that's the biggest problem of the 20th century. Yes. He said all these wars because mm -hmm. we deny Christ yes. and we deny the spiritual world. Right. I mean, Ukraine is nuts, right? It right. makes no sense whatsoever. Right. It's crazy. How can human beings act like that? I it's know. just, I know. And, it's so and, and then it, it's so sad. I mean, you're so close to it. Oh My yes. Goodness. I'm very close to it. I live with it actually. And it, it's interesting. I was listening to a lecture this morning and he was talking about thinking and how he said that basically people just speak. They don't think when they're speaking anymore. Mm -hmm. And I would say <laughs> That is really true in, in the mm -hmm. modern era. They, people just don't, they don't think how powerful their words are and put thought into them. But it, but is that com combination of heart and thinking. I know in, in, there's a term I hear frequently, it's called gemüt. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that yeah. properly, yeah. but it, isn't that the word for heart thinking? Isn't that? It is. I, I almost used that. Mm -hmm. I almost put that in the title, mm -hmm. but then I thought I'd have to explain it, and right. it's very Germanic. Extra, but extra we, chapter there. <laughs> yep, exactly. One more chapter, and uh, so yeah, it's a beautiful word. Mm -hmm. Steiner uses it often, mm -hmm. and it encompasses the whole spiritual aspect of mm -hmm. human being, mm -hmm. and doesn't limit it to just knowledge, right. which sounds just intellectual and conceptual. And that's right. it. Right. But gemut is more the total. You know, it includes Steiner's favorite terms. Gemut is a beautiful phrase. Steiner uses it often. Mm -hmm. And Steiner, of course, 
is probably the most uh, profound Trinitarian thinker since Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. He understands that man is more than just one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a, it, there are many factors, there are many parts to being a human. And especially he emphasizes constantly thinking, feeling, and willing. And the three are intimately connected. Mm-hmm. And you have to have will in thinking. You have to have love in thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah? But you also have to have thinking and will mm-hmm. and thinking and love. Right. And so it's all combined. Mm-hmm. And for Steiner, it always comes down to a phrase that modern people can't stand, and that is morality. <laughs> if you look at the philosophy of freedom, it's about how to act right. in a loving way. Yes. Yes. In other words, your thoughts and your feelings mm-hmm. and your actions mm-hmm. should all be connected. Right, right. So modern people make these crazy statements. Uh, I know smoking is bad for me. Mm-hmm. And then they go off and have a cigarette. <laughs> oh, wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait. <laughs> two and two is four. You just <laughs> I know that this is bad for me. Right? Okay. Ergo, you shouldn't be able to do it. Right, right. You know, you'd, you'd realize this could kill me. Right. All right, that's, that's a bad thing. Right. So modern thought has become basically schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. I would agree. You know, we, it's just astounding. Yeah. So Steiner is very consistent. You know, he says, if you know something, you're going to do it. Right. You know, this it's, it's not easy. No. My goodness, it's not easy. No. I mean... Look what, look what Mary had to go through to bear the child. And there's an interesting part of Mary's yes. Mm-hmm. And this, this really stunned me when I saw it. it was, I was in Italy looking at a beautiful painting. Mm-hmm. And at the uh, scene of the crucifixion, mm-hmm. there was Gabriel. And I went, what is Gabriel oh, doing? Oh, wow. Wow. Oh. And then I read underneath. And it stated that this artist and many artists of that time had the insight that when Mary said yes to Gabriel, mm. it was not just in the, the moment of uh, incarnation, but she had a understanding of that this led to Golgotha. Oh, wow. wow. And I went, oh, my goodness. Her yes is even more profound and wow. more difficult than wow. I ever comprehended. Imagine saying yes all the way to Golgotha. Yeah. And wow. seeing what she what she and he would go through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also think about the, the, the other aspect of this. Mary's a 13, 14 year old girl. Right. And if she was pregnant before marriage, mm-hmm. she could be stoned to death. Right. Right. Hello. Yeah. Talk about courage. Yeah. Stoned to death. Yeah. No, it's a it's such a profound story. It's so and it also, you know, for me, you know, I my whole philosophy towards my writings and and research is that art is the method by which the gods create organs of perception for what the spiritual world is telling us. And that's basically Steiner. That's totally Steiner. And to me, the, the virgin in all of the different aspects of art is a reflection of the human and the highest form of what the human can go through. And what a model she is in terms of, as you said, courage of seeing what's going to happen and still saying yes. 
And this is a model and an invitation to us to say, we know that life will be painful, but the wisdom we gain and the beautiful experience of all of it is certainly worth it. It's certainly worth it. Totally. And, and, and she, I think, is the model, exactly as you're saying. And think of the term, you know, that how do we give birth to Christ within? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, that is the incredible challenge for human beings. Mm-hmm. But Mary, I think, is the example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the Beatitudes, I believe that Christ used Mary mm-hmm. as the paradigm for all those incredible Beatitudes. Yes. Yes. Blessed are the pure in heart. Who's more pure in heart than Mary? Right. You know? right. And it's got to start with the heart. Right. Think about it. Christ states, blessed are the pure. He doesn't say blessed are the really smart. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that was a good thing to avoid. <laughs> he knew. He knew better. <laughs> well, so, sometimes they're really smart. They don't heart think. <laughs> so... Yeah. Purity in heart leads to spiritual vision. Right. It does. That's what Christ does. It does. It really and, does. And, who, and, and Mary is the perfect example of it mm. and the paradigm for it. Right. And then you just go through all of them. They just, they just keep on, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. Mm-hmm. But it just, each one of them, it's just like, oh, Mary's an example of that. Right. Blessed are those who mourn. Who right. mourned more than Mary? Right. Right. I know in in Eastern Europe, the Madonnas have a different gesture, and most of them are pretty sad (laughs) looking, and they even have a whole genre, and it's mostly in the Greek Orthodox tradition. I haven't seen it in other Orthodox traditions, but she's holding the baby, and she is literally crying. Like, Mm -hmm. she's really sad. And then on the back of the icon, it will be a picture of her crying, holding the the crucified Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, yeah, it's just another gesture, but it also encompasses more of the mystery surrounding this being, this exalted being. And I usually refer to her as the first person that said yes to the Christ. The first mm-hmm. human that said yes. Mm-hmm. It's really profound. So you obviously are connecting the Virgin Mary with heart knowledge, which I think is yep. brilliant. Brilliant. Like I said in the preamble, the split second was reading the title mm-hmm. and clicking purchase. Um, why do you think it's important to have this context and this connection in our current times? Because I think we're at a very important and difficult time. Mm-hmm. You know, Dr. Steiner is very explicit from 1933 on, mm-hmm. uh, we have the second coming of Christ to the etheric. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that this is uh, both a momentous and difficult time. Yeah. Because the uh, dark forces know it better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And it's not by coincidence that Hitler took over in 33 and Stalin mm-hmm. and all these just demonic yeah. situations. Yeah. They know their time is short. Right. And therefore, they want to distract humanity. Mm-hmm. So you have these counterbalances. Right. And obviously, most importantly, Christ, mm-hmm. but also Mary and, right. and Angel Mikael, etc. Mm-hmm. We It's pretty clear we can't do this by ourselves. No. But blatantly obvious. <laughs> We're incapable. We're a bunch of knuckleheads, mm-hmm. and we can barely remember what we had for lunch yesterday. Right, right. 
Therefore, we need help. Right. And I think one of the great sources of, of help will be uh, beings like Mary, mm -hmm. who in many ways typifies the incredible love of a mother for her child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That maternal love is so apparent in Mary. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is, I think, could be the solution for so many problems mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the world mm -hmm. about how can you have, how can you say yes to the spiritual? Yeah. In yeah. every fiber of your being right. so that you do the will of God. And I think we have a problem with the word will because we usually think of an egomaniac exerting his will. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunate. I think you could, if you use the word love, mm -hmm. it's will, but really more like a love concept. Mm -hmm. You know, do the love of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think it's, um, I know, you know, my listeners know that I'm, I'm in uh, Western Bulgaria right now and I'm living with Ukrainian refugees. And we also serve Roma people who are the most ignored, <laughs> marginalized group of people. I mean, the history of the Roma is, is, is parallel, the history of European Jewry, actually. And we don't hear about that. And obviously, we need to understand the horrors and the injustice that are done to the Jews of Europe. But it was done also to the Roma, and it's still being done to the Roma. And I don't have language. I don't have words. You know, I have a smattering of Bulgarian and a smattering of Ukrainian and Russian. But I can show love to these people. And mm -hmm. that is very healing to people who are traumatized. And it's also, as you said really the solution you know we keep wanting all these conferences and books and this and that and it's like it's really is sort of like that Beatles song you know mm. if, if we could just be loving and think with our hearts it would be quite different so I think I think that's an amazing takeaway from your incredible book now if people want to find this book how can they find it well, uh, Steiner Books has a website, mm -hmm. and you can go to Steiner Books and uh, and just uh, search under Riley, and you'll mm -hmm. see my books, okay. and the Marian Way of Knowledge is mm -hmm. there. Uh, I, I don't know where you can get it in Bulgaria, to be honest. I have no idea. but uh, You can actually get it through Book website. Depository. Book Depository sells it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and what I'll do is I'll put a link to both um, Steiner Books and, oh, and yeah. other places where I think you can buy it. But it's definitely available there. And great. you have this wonderful um, way with words. You are a poet, amongst other things. And if people want to follow your work, what's the best way that they can follow you? Uh, the, there are other books that I have at Steiner Books. Yes, yes. So I have uh, two books so far. One is called Songs and Dreams, mm -hmm. which is which are songs uh, which I uh, have come to me and I've written down. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other one is called uh, Look What We Can Become. Oh, yes. And, <laughs> <laughs> and there are portraits of some amazing individuals I've been fortunate to meet in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're extremely Michaelic mm -hmm. in their approach to life. Mm -hmm. And I was just so blessed to meet them. 
so that I wanted people to know about them. They've all gone to the other side, mm -hmm. but they're uh, all uh, involved with uh, anthroposophy. Mm -hmm. All our schools mm -hmm. were phenomenal teachers and even more amazing human beings. Right, right. So in our final moments together, is there anything I haven't asked you that you would like people to know? Uh, no, I think you did a great job. All right. Well, I cannot thank you enough for your valuable time, but also for your body of work. And like I said, this book, the, your most recent book, and I hope you'll have many more, but this Marian way of heart knowledge from Mary through St. John's Gospel to Rudolf Steiner's Philosophy of Freedom, I feel is a very important contribution to bringing these apparently, but not, but apparently very disparate streams. And you're bringing them together in a very elegant way. And so I highly recommend the book. And I more, more highly recommend <laughs> trying to live life with this marvelous heart knowledge that you're advocating. Well, thank you for your time and your interest. Appreciate it. What a delightful interview. So again, I will put links in the program notes on how to find out more about Neil Riley and all of his books. And I want, in our last seconds together, to thank my Patreon supporters, my one-time donors, and all of you that subscribe, like, and share this podcast. I truly, truly value every one of your gestures of support. So this is Stephanie Georgia saying, I wish you many blessings during this Women's History Month, and I hope that Mary blesses your journey. <music>